Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor. Hi, and thanks for tuning into this podcast, which is part of VitaFoods Digital Week. If you haven't heard, VitaFoods Digital Week was launched to keep the global nutraceutical supply chain connected to the latest science and innovation through a series of media assets. You can head to vitafoodsinsights.com to discover more podcasts, as well as a range of other entities produced as part of VitaFoods Digital Week. Today, I'm joined by Runa Hoeg Curry, who is Director of Sustainability at Marine. Thanks for joining me today, Runa. Thank you for inviting me in. Today we're talking about a topic that I'm personally really passionate about, which is supply chain traceability and how this ties back to industry progress in sustainability and transparency. Now, of course, when we talk about traceability in the world of nutraceuticals, we're referring to a technology or a tool that allows manufacturers to verifiably trace their goods along the distribution chain in, of course, the interest of safety, accurate ingredient listings and overall accountability to the end consumer. And I think accountability is absolutely key in today's world consumers know that there are a lot of fraudulent brands out there and they also want to know more about where their products come from and importantly that they align with their core values. So in my view, Runa, our industry as a whole understands what traceability is and how it's linked to these wider issues of sustainability. But what they they know that consumers want all the information available to them. So really the missing piece in my view is how do we make it happen? What are the first steps forward? And what framework needs to be understood to bring traceability to life? So I'm really excited to get into all of that. But let's just take a step back. Runa, in your position, how do you see traceability positioned in our industry in relation to these wider sustainability initiatives? Why is there a need to have a transparent supply chain? Uh, Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, I think... um, um transparency and even taking that one step further traceability is really at the core of what we kind of see sustainability evolving as us in the business context and if if we look at the bigger picture i think uh, it's really about understanding how the role of business in society is changing over the past years and how consumers are also driving this change now so there's been this evolving from profit alone to taking a bigger responsibility of being part of solutions to bigger challenges ahead, such as climate change, but also other uh, sort of resource restraint issues. Uh, And I think more and more companies now are starting to build the business on more concerns than just profit. We talk about this triple bottom line on how we can balance profit with the impact that we have and the value creation for uh, people or the social sustainability aspect and planet, obviously, the environmental sustainability too. Uh, I mean, for Aqua Biomarine, for example, um, we put ourselves into this bigger trance by the need to think innovatively on how to feed a growing world in a more effective way. Um, this is This was kind of the big picture that made us define the whole purpose of our company to improve human and planetary health. So in a world uh, we know will be um, approaching 10 billion people by 2050 and we'll need a 70% increase in food production, which is a massive, massive figure. And we know that the land-based food production alone cannot carry this growth. 
So we are passionate about the need to harvest the oceans more, uh, but to do so in a more sustainable way. So we've set this purpose for ourselves that we are in business to improve human and planetary health. And we provide products with positive impact on human health, uh, but doing so without compromising the health of the planet and the ecosystems that we are operating in. So I think transparency is a cornerstone of sustainable business. It's kind of, it's the proof that companies actually walk their talk. Uh, so what we've seen over the past years is this growing expectations uh, that this transparency is documented by the actual traceability of products that you have, you're talking about, uh, Charlie. And I think we see a clear movement in many sectors now towards advancing uh, the kind of the corporate sustainability positioning into practical measures, documenting the full traceability of individual product lines. Absolutely, Rune. And I think, again, this loops back to this very important issue of accountability. Business, social and environmental responsibility is top of everyone's minds, not just companies, but consumers also want to do their bit. And in today's skeptical age, it's not, as you said, it's not enough to just say that you're doing something. Everything has to be recorded and made available on demand to really deepen supply chain and consumer trust. And so when we look at nutraceutical brands, where are we in our traceability efforts? There's obviously a long way to go to full sector traceability, but where do you see us standing? And in comparison to, to our, our neighbors in food, natural and organic, or even some of these industrial sectors, and perhaps you even want to share a bit about how Ecobiomarine has managed to get ahead with its traceability efforts. Yeah, it's it's my impression that within nutraceuticals, or at least within this uh, VMS, vitamins, minerals, supplements category, where we in Acobiomarine operate, the issue of sustainability is rapidly maturing, uh, both as a concern and as also as a part of brand identities. But I think the extent of actually traceability will vary significantly be between brands. I mean, there will obviously be various levels of complexity here. For us in Ecobiomarine, we use krill as a mono ingredient into our krill oil. Uh, whilst for a brand with more ingredients from different suppliers, for example, going into product formulas, then obviously the complexity increases. Uh, but for us, um, we have a, a mono ingredient. And adding to this, we have the ownership of our entire supply chain uh, from the harvest in Antarctica through to the end product. So we are kind of both the supplier and the actual producer and manufacturer ourselves. And we find this a unique traceability asset to us. Um, so whilst traceability perhaps at the industrial level is often set at kind of, for example, cod from example, or a source from MSC certified fishery, for example, then we actually have developed a digital traceability tool that's offered as a QR code on end products that traces the product in that particular batch back to the exact date and location for harvest in Antarctica. So this is something quite unique, and I, I think it's a part of our value offering that is becoming increasingly important uh, for the reasons you are mentioning. Uh, and, and I would say particularly in markets like China, where these counterfeits, uh, it's a very real problem for consumers. Uh, if we look at other related industries, I would say the food industry that you mentioned, Charlie, has been uh, strictly regulated and kind of scrutinized on health and safety aspects for a long while. And we see that many of the food brands, they were early movers on traceability too. So kind of documenting the origin of meat and other key ingredients in an increasingly transparent uh, manner. 
And I would say that the typical development we have seen has been that some sort of supply chain scandal with significant reputational damage has triggered a sudden shift for increased traceability within an industry or sector. Um, if we look, uh, for example, at the clothing industry, uh, then we're looking more over at the uh, what we call the social sustainability aspects. But you, we had a lot of these high street brands um, that have been heavily scrutinized by media of the often unsafe uh, use of low paid labor in markets like Bangladesh, for example, where they've had their production um, chain of the supply chain. And that's been a very central part of the value chain to be able to supply high-paced, short-lived collections offered at very low prices. And um, a very critical eye has been set uh, on this by the media and many, um, for example, European countries, I, I believe perhaps in the US as well. Um, and critical eye has also been set on the vast amounts of clothing never sold out, but nonetheless replaced by new collections by only a few weeks later. And we see that um, the reputational damage from this scrutiny uh, has caused a massive shift in the transparency, the traceability, and I would argue the entire approach to impact reduction in the clothing industry worldwide today. So that's an interesting example. I think the clothing industry is a great example, Runa, and one that I know, as you mentioned, is under public scrutiny because of these really serious issues that you mentioned. Again, that's a really great example of an industry where in, you know, brands, they may do as much as have a web page about their ethical values and their approach. But how do I, as a consumer, pick up a piece of clothing in a store and trace back the origins of fabrics and labor centers? So... Okay, maybe that's another industry to look at in its own. But once again, consumers are starting to see that certain sectors are upping their traceability efforts. And, you know, they'll very quickly come to expect it from, from everything, whether that's food or clothing or cars. How are consumer expectations changing? And what level of information, you know, are they growing to expect from their end products? You know, I think consumer expectations is an extremely important uh, trigger in this picture. Uh, we see that consumers are taking control of their own lifestyle in a whole new way. And digital tools are developed to support this development. So take the development within the beauty segment in Europe as an example, where apps are being launched that can scan a QR code on the product that instantly provides the consumer with a full list and even explanation, perhaps, of the product ingredients. No animal testing, no harmful chemicals, other key information that this so-called responsible consumer is typically concerned with. Um, I think 2019 marked a year where particularly environmental concern gave massive attention at a whole new scale worldwide. There were the school strikes for climate action with Greta Thunberg and these icon figures. Uh, the financial investor community setting a whole new course with much stricter uh, requirements, the so-called ESG reporting requirements on environmental and social and governance uh, of the of uh, corporations. And the momentum for incorporating sustainability aspects into the core foresight and strategic positioning of businesses just accelerated at such unprecedented pace and scope, uh, I would say particularly last year. So naturally, these tendencies in such large parts of society, they also manifest into changing consumer preferences too. I mean, we're all people of the same world. So I think we can expect to see consumer engagement and expectation 
um, that you're talking about grow even more within the current uh, current um, COVID crisis or Corona crisis as well. Uh, I actually just read an, an article by the Center for Sustainability and Excellence that quotes a very recent U.S. brand study by the Edelman Trust stating that 65% of surveyed consumers indicated that their likelihood of purchasing a brand would subsequently be based on how well the brand responds to the COVID crisis. And 37% of consumers indicated that they had recently started using a new brand as a result of their crisis-related marketing efforts. So I think to me, this just fundamentally illustrates uh, uh, my initial point of the changing role of business in society. So businesses and and their brand identities are kind of expected to be part of, of uh, driving these um, new solutions to sustainability challenges in a whole new way. And in my view, a business has no option but to be a force for change. I think there are the businesses that get this and position for it, and then the businesses that don't. Absolutely. And Runa, those are really interesting metrics. So thanks for sharing them. I think they they certainly reflect the changing attitudes of the end consumer. And importantly, you know, the investment that they're willing to make in honest products that that align with their core values. You know, we're hearing a lot about consumers wanting sustainably sourced ingredients and products, anti-animal cruelty that you mentioned, plant-based, another big trend that we're seeing. But beyond, you know, winning over consumers and getting them to invest in our brands, there there should be an interest in traceability because the companies that become proactive with their efforts will inevitably gain competitive edge, and especially in some of these saturated markets. I mean, I really believe that traceability can boost businesses from an environmental, financial and social responsibility perspective, but it really needs to be part of a company's, you know, wider DNA and core values. Um, so, Runa, can we expand a bit about on this? You know, why does traceability need to be built into overall brand value? I very much re- agree on your uh, reflections there, Charlie. I think uh, when it comes to incorporating this into the overall brand value, there are some basic benefits of building traceability into the brand value. So there's obviously the key benefit to the brand own- owner of building trust expressing sort of that together with our supplier, we have control throughout the entire value chain. And then the key benefit to the consumer has to do with ensuring product safety, efficiency, the authenticity, the quality guarantee. And then I think uh, building on these core benefits, there's obviously the marketing and communication effect, which takes us back to this responsible consumer that's kind of growing in power and force. Um, that seek to control their own lifestyle. So I think people seek a brand that aligns with their own value set and identity more and more so. Yeah, and it it has to come from the inside out. You know, companies have to have all round buy-in from leadership all the way down to all of their employees, you know. And, you know, Runa, how can traceability actually improve profitability and create benefits from a market competition perspective? I think we will see traceability becoming a growing competitive element in many industries. We we certainly see it a growing um, competitive advantage to our products in the global marketplace. It's becoming a more and more uh, important part of our value offering of the individual product lines. 
I think if you are an early mover on A, ensuring your own supply chain is responsible and safe in all parts, and B, if you manage to document and communicate this traceability in a transparent and understandable manner, I think this will be certainly become a competitive advantage to your company as well as to your brand identity. Absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier, I think businesses know that it's important. I think they understand the positioning of it. But really, you know, again, what's missing is how do brands now make this happen? How do they bring it to life? So if a business is committed to this topic and, you know, they really want to bring traceability to life for their brand, what do first steps look like and how do businesses need to prepare for success? Yeah. Um, So I think a first step is to acknowledge that your own business is part of something bigger and kind of build your corporate identity and key decision-making criteria, obviously, as well, on this understanding. Um, I think companies might find that this is something likely to spark a growing ownership among own employees, actually. Uh, Sort of gathering all hands on deck around a bold purpose and a strategic direction that aims beyond just maximizing profits, but also has an ambition for positive impact along the social and and uh, environmental dimensions. Um, I think this particularly perhaps goes for attracting and retaining younger talent. I mean, it's been documented how the millennials are particularly what we call purpose-driven. Uh, there was some U.S. market research um, by the um, Cone company that found that 70%, 75% of millennials say that they would take a pay cut to work for a responsible company, for example. I mean, this was already back in 2016, and this aligns very well with my own impression of younger people's engagement, having worked in this um, intersection between business and what we now call sustainability for many years now. But if we go back to the corporate steps, um, this ambition for responsibility, then it, it obviously also needs to become an actual priority. Uh, and when it comes to traceability, it needs to become an actual priority in selection, in selecting the kind of uh, individual brand and product suppliers to make sure that no skeletons are hidden in the closets uh, upstream. Uh, and this, of course, uh, it sounds easy on paper. It can obviously be a very extensive change for many companies to, to go through. But I think uh, it, it does require some shifted priorities. Uh, moving into this broader kind of thinking. Uh, Finally, to establish and document a continuous and transparent monitoring or quality control of your own supply chain, all the way from raw material, whether it's produced in-house or procured, and all the way through to the packed end product. So, and I think you can also, you can go the extra mile by having a a so-called supplier-specific LCA, life cycle assessment analysis, conducted for your individual product lines. So these kind of tools, they will both map and estimate the footprint of, uh, for example, CO2, freshwater use, chemicals, or what is relevant impact areas for your product line. And such analysis allows you to compete more directly on these sustainability aspects of your product within your own category, and not least work to reduce your impact with visible improvements directly linked to the product line. So if you do some improvement in your own uh, energy supply, for example, perhaps you manage to shift your production from onto renewable energy pro- supply, for example, then you will actually mm-hmm. see the, f- uh, the footprint improvement 
down to the product line if you have these kind of tools in place. At Aquabiomarine, we're in the process of developing updated footprint analysis of all our products line right now, actually. Great. And, you know, in this nutraceutical world, you know, we've, we've got different companies of different sizes. They've got different levels of capabilities and different abilities surrounding investment, of course. Um, in our industry, I think, you know, certain companies are going to rely a lot on third party involvement, whereas others can do it all by themselves. So if you want to set up your supply chain mapping, you know, how do you decide if you want to set up in-house or partner with a supply chain mapping expert? What's your thinking there, Runa? I think this needs to be done in combination, actually. I mean, depending on the extent of um, how advanced you want to go. But I think the ownership for establishing and then maintaining full traceability of your company's value chain, that definitely must sit within the company itself. And I also... I would add to that that I think top management ownership of a new and a more sustainable course is crucial for success. So the true engagement at the top management level to set this kind of direction is, is like a prerequisite. Um, if you want to take the extra leap and, for example, have this kind of life cycle assessment or footprint analysis uh, to document the footprint of individual product lines, I think an external expert should become involved. Uh, also, because this is a fairly technical process, we are certainly using an external third party to help us in this process ourselves uh, to ensure that the kind of right industry standards, the CO2 conversion factors and so on are deployed. So I think third party endorsement or certification will always increase credibility when it comes to this um, documentation of traceability. Um, mapping your chain and, and the journey to full traceability is, is of, of course, it's no small project. It's not something that's going to come right overnight. And there are bound to be hurdles along the way and lots of lessons to be learned, I'm sure, in, in all of those. But what are some of the common challenges or considerations to keep in mind before setting out on this journey? Well, of course, as you say, it gets complex once you, you get into the details. And I think there will always be internal resistance to any change in procedures. I mean, for example, if a process entails changing an old and faithful supplier that your company has always relied on, of course, these are big changes. Um, so uh, so it, it can get uh, painful sometimes. On that note, though, I want to add that I, I think often, uh, I mean, also us, even though we do have um, the full sort of um, production uh, procedure in-house, we obviously also rely on suppliers for spare parts and and meal bags for our curl meal and so on. And for us, the kind of stakeholder dialogue approach uh, seems very successful also when you want to, to play your own suppliers uh, better. <laughs> so I think uh, you can always, uh, it doesn't need to be like drastical demands straight away, but perhaps you can work with your own suppliers on how you can jointly improve on the notes of, for example, uh, CO2 or freshwater use and so forth. Um, finally, I think the need for long-term thinking, it must be fully adopted into corporate priorities. For us in Ecobiomarine, we see our commitment very much as a strategic core, uh, sort of a choice supporting the fact that we are in this krill business with a long-term perspective. So many times we have opted for a more costly concept choice because it is the right thing to do in a longer term perspective, although the initial investment is bigger. 
building a new vessel, for example, and investing into more costly options that will help us reduce CO2 emissions more efficiently, we are certain that these investments will pay back in a longer term perspective uh, from a better product footprint, competing well in a future marketplace, uh, being better equipped to meet more strict CO2 regulations, as well as the obvious savings on, on running fuel costs. So I'm not saying it's easy to always grind through the decisions that consider um, planet and people alongside the good old profit or cost aspect. Um, I think it's about altering the cultural mindset of a company. And it's something we we also must work to remind ourselves in, in Ecobiomarine that sort of living our own purpose also in, in the smaller daily decisions. Thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. I think our industry is ready to start taking the next steps in their traceability journeys and initiatives. Of course, as we mentioned, you know, this has to start with brand value. It has to come from the top down and be integrated really into brand DNA. But we know that there are lots of rewards that come out from an environmental, social and competitive advantage perspective, all of those things that we've spoken about. It's also great to hear how Ecobiomarine has achieved this and the investment that you guys have been willing to make in the interest of these wider concerns and areas. And I really hope our listeners have been able to take away some very valuable lessons and hopefully bring that back to their own companies and progress our industry into full sector traceability. So Runa, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Charlie. Great to speak with you.